Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. I'm your host, Will Hunter, joined by my insanely bored co-host, Matt Sheehan. I'm not going to make it, Will. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay. Um, I know, I'm not okay, but yeah, <laughs> we, we, we can yeah, act like I am. We we're all just acting like we're going to be okay. Uh, Matt and I are super excited to be joined by Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com, friend of the show, uh, covers Michigan State football, basketball, and recruiting for 24-7 sports. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. Uh, you, you joked about it, but I really was looking forward to this all day because there's just not, <laughs> there's nothing else going on. You know, I went to the store, that was hell. Uh, as I predicted, we talked about it a little bit, and otherwise, you know, I cooked a little bit, but then just been waiting around for this. Wrote some stories in the morning, and yeah, this is the highlight. So I'm ready to get to it. Right on. We're gonna go for like six hours because we're just all so bored. Boom! Um, every play, three times over. <laughs> Stephen is joining us for our third uh, edition of the Spartans rewatch, whatever you want to call it. I guess we're going with Spartans rewatch, uh, and we are going back in the time machine. And we are rewatching the 2014 Cotton Bowl victory. I guess it was played in 2015. Uh, Cotton Bowl victory over Baylor. Uh, one of the most exciting uh, games of the Mark D'Antonio era. Maybe the best comeback of the Mark D'Antonio era. Something we could potentially talk about. Um, but we're going to go deep inside this game. Talk about different plays, players, moments. Uh, all three of us rewatch it. Uh, if you didn't at home. And you're thinking, hey, maybe I should go rewatch it. Uh, on Twitter, Matt has tweeted out a link at Sheehan underscore sports. It is a 21-minute highlight video uh, of just kind of a compilation of just highlights. That's 21 minutes long. You can watch that. Or I tweeted out at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores, a uh, two-plus-hour game, which you can kind of zoom through skipping, um, you know, pre or whatever, uh, in between plays and things like that. You can kind of move through it pretty quickly if you want to get the full picture. So I tweeted that out as well. So there's a couple options there if you want to go and watch that and then come back to the pod. But you don't necessarily have to, but if you want to do that, that's how you would do that. But we're going to talk about this game um, from a a bunch of different angles. You've heard our other Spartans rewatch. We did a 2019 Big Ten Championship game with Matt McQuaid. We did the Little Giants game with our friend Paul Costanzo who's a Notre Dame fan, and now we've got the Cotton Bowl, guys. Are you ready? Are you excited? Are you fired up? All the above, yes. Oh, yeah. No, this is going to be fun. Um, I would just say uh, I recommend the, the long version because I, I tried that version that Sheehan posted, the quick cut, and I got, like, nauseous. That was that was way too quick. Oh, see, <laughs> and, like, I, I loved like, it. I absolutely no, loved it. I needed that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of quick cuts. I'm all about efficiency. I get it. But that one was, like, warp speed. Super quick. It, yeah. You got no context. You could hardly even process the previous no. play. It was you get like, like a total of two tenths of a second of pre-snap cadence <laughs> like throughout the entire video. Like it is just like oh, I yeah. absolutely loved it. I needed that back in my life during this quarantine. Needed it. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I watched the uh, the long one and I had my finger on the fast forward button on my laptop the entire time. Just on YouTube, you skip five seconds, and I was just like five, like skip, 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 stop, skip, 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 stop. Um, so that's how I watched it. I made it through in like 40 minutes um, and I went back and rewatched some things and went a little bit slower than you probably uh, could go if you're really trying to zoom through it. So plenty of options to watch it and it's worth rewatching because guys, this um, 
we can just have the discussion now. Was this the most exciting game of the Mark D'Antonio era? Matt, what do you think? Yeah, oh boy. It's it's top three as far as just most exciting for sure. Yeah, that's it's just um, excitement. Trouble with the snap is up there too. And I I, I want to say Rocket is up there too Trouble as far as the exciting snap. goes. Trouble with the snap was not exciting. Oh, I I think it it was. was, That was a little back and forth game, but those games are always a little more stressful than exciting. I I guess in a bowl game, all bets are off. And at the end of the day, they're great bowl games to win, but they don't really matter that much, I guess, especially if it's the Cotton Bowl. If it's the Rose Bowl, Mm -hmm. it's a different story. But I I would put this either one or two. I think Rocket is the other one that's in consideration for. Yeah, and and that one was an an incredible game throughout back and forth. And the Michigan, you know, trouble with the snap was a decent game, but like, for a while, you're like, man, Michigan State's going to freaking lose to Jim Harbaugh uh, in his first year, and it's, oh, I can't believe it. And then for a moment, it was the most exciting moment you could get. But in terms of the entire fair. game, I think it's down there. What do you think, Brooksy? Uh, I'm trying to – I'm glad you guys just took a little bit there because I'm racking my brain trying to think of what <laughs> would be in the discussion because I, I agree. I think you need to make it strictly between the lines and what happened. you got to take the stakes out of it. Um, obviously there were bigger games, you know, and more important games or more emotional games, but just the pure football of it between the lines was, uh, was just so fun to watch. Um, the Ohio state 2013 big 10 title game was kind of like yeah. that. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a good one. yeah. That was some real high level football. And, uh, the, was it 2011 Michigan game with the bumblebees and then the, the, uh, the bronze at home and yep. they get the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. unnecessary roughness game. That one was pretty yes. big too. That one was a fun one. Um, I maintain that 2013 Big Ten championship game is the single best football game a Mark D'Antonio team has ever played. For like from beginning to end, that is the most complete. Like that team beat down, not beat down, but like really handled a really awesome Ohio State team. Like that is the best game I think a, a Michigan State team has ever played. Is that too hot of a take, Steven? No, I'd probably agree with that. I don't know if I'd say handled, though, because it was like a true back and forth. It, what, it was like 14 or 21 for MSU, then it was 21 mm-hmm. for Ohio State, then it was like 14 for MSU. It was, it was a true back and forth. Um, they but they it beat was, them, though. They, they, were, oh, they, yeah. were than, they were better than them the entire game. Like, yeah, sure, Ohio sure. State got plays because they had guys, and that's what's going to happen. But it wasn't the 2015 game where it's like you're holding on for dear life the entire time. Like Michigan state was like, all right, we're better than you. And we're just like, that was, yeah, they didn't beat them down. They won by 10. I think it was, but like they were pretty comfortably like outplaying them almost the entire game. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe people, maybe it's fresh for people still, but I mean, it's been a while now. I mean, that, that Ohio state (laughs) team was, was booked to play in the national title game. They were number two. Like it wasn't just a good Ohio state team. They were going to play in the title game for, for all the marbles. So yeah, Michigan state came out that day and they were a peer. Um, if not even, you know, like you said above them, but they at least came out there and said, we're the same class as you. So, you know, let's just sort of put it all out there from here. Yeah. And this, like the second half of this cotton bowl game could be, um, and maybe even just the, the fourth quarter was just some incredible football for Michigan state, some fortunate stuff that we'll talk about as well. But uh, just some background on this game coming into it. Michigan state um, had a really good year. And I think this is maybe the best total Michigan state team that D'Antonio ever had, like both sides of the ball all season. And we can talk about that, but like they lost to Ohio state who won the national championship and they lost to Oregon 
the runner up for the national championship. Like those were their two losses the entire season. And so it was just a really good team. And so you have that coming into it. Um, Ohio State snuck past Baylor to get into the college football playoff. And Baylor ended up five in the final poll. Baylor was five. TCU is six. And it was all that controversy first year of the playoff. Um, So Baylor had something to prove in this game, guys. And a home game for them, too. Yeah. And it was a home game. It played pretty much down the road um, in Arlington, much closer than East Lansing. Um, So you had a really good Baylor team that was incredibly motivated uh, in the first half uh, of that game kind of played out like that. It was three quarters of it. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I I forgot how good of a start Michigan State got off to. Um, But after that, like Matt, we saw Baylor at full power. Like we've never seen Baylor at full power before. Like that was an impressive showing from them. No, and they were impressive the entire season, too. That Baylor team was so fun to watch. I went back and looked at the stats because I knew they were number one in offense, but exactly how good were they? So they had 46.4 points per game, number one in the country. Average 5.9 touchdowns a game, number one in the country. But also, MSU was seventh in offense with 42.8 points per game. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. pretty damn good. Like, you knew there was going to be fireworks in this game if MSU could hold up their end of the bargain on the offensive side of the ball. And for the first 45 minutes, it really looked like they were. Yeah, they got off to that hot start in the first quarter. But, man, watching that Baylor team, that offense was so electric with Bryce Petty, which we'll get to later. Um, it felt like any time you stopped them and got them to a punt or a four and out, you could just storm the field and celebrate after that. Like It was just a, a great euphoric feeling as a fan to watch the Baylor Bears walk off the field that season after offense. Um, Baylor, Baylor God, did so not bad. punt in that game. No, I, they yeah, a, they did a lot of things that didn't result in touchdowns, uh, but they did not punt the ball. <laughs> I, I, uh, very, very rarely did they punt the entire season. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, absolutely incredible. Steven, um, what did you make of like going into this game? Like what were your expectations and just what do you remember um, from watching it at the time? Yeah, I was I was super excited to do this one. Um because I'd only watched it once. I watched it live. I'm pretty sure I watched it by myself. Uh, I was living and working in Owasso at, at the time. It was my first year out of uh, Michigan State. And um, I do. I vividly remember watching it, and I'm, I'm pretty dang sure I was just me in my living room. Because it was like a 1 or 2 o'clock start, I want to say, wasn't it? It was fairly early. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the, 1 the big game. Yeah, yeah, they had the big games later. So, um, yeah, I remember watching it alone early in the day. And uh, I remembered the comeback. I didn't remember as much about the beginning and everything uh i sort of remembered it differently um and i'm sure we'll get into all this but like i i thought it was like this quick shootout to like 21 and they were just matching points and then baylor you know just kept it going when michigan state sort of ran dry and that really wasn't the case baylor was sort of like bombs away the entire day and mm-hmm. msu after that first after their second touchdown didn't get it in you know didn't put any points up till middle of the third quarter they had a really long drought that I did not recall. Yeah. I thought it was like this early shootout and they were just trading touchdowns and it really didn't play out that way. Yeah. Um, there were certainly some <laughs> questionable things happening on the offensive side of the ball for Michigan state, which we'll uh, get into. Yeah. I just remember I was watching over with a couple of friends and it was, you know, going great. Hey, this is fun, exciting. And then you look up and you're like, all right, there's a 400 pound person from Baylor scoring a touchdown. Michigan state's down 20. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Like we're getting clowned right now. And then the comeback happened. And at one point, like after the touchdown to 
uh, Keith Mumphrey, I was like, I ended up standing on a couch in the living room. We were watching it. It was like, it was my friend's house that was kind of like post college. Like I was still in school, but we had some friends out of school or working already. And they had like a post college house. It was basically a college house with people who were a year out of college, that sort of roommatey bachelor rental house. Um, appropriate. And I was standing. Um, after the touchdown, I don't remember picking up onto the couch and I was just like sweaty. I, I, I don't know how just it happened. Moist. And that's, yeah, that's happened to me twice. That happened to me then. And then trouble with this. Um, I ended up shirtless and I don't remember ever taking off my shirt. And it was just because I was so flush with whatever happened. Um, so yeah, that was the first time I had experienced excitement, football blackout, because I was just really standing on a couch right now. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more uh, action from the Spartans rewatch of the 2014-15 Cotton Bowl with me, Matt Sheehan, and Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. Let's, uh, let's dive right into the categories now that we have some, some background there. Let's start with best play. Um, so I think we're going to have a, a few nominees when there's – 83 points scored uh, in a bunch of massive plays. I think there's going to be some nominees. I'm going to let you guys knock out the boring ones. Um, I, I've got a few that are kind of obscure, um, but they're they're incredibly important. My first one is the block in the back that the uh, Baylor player threw on Jack or yeah Jack Conk uh, after that Connor Cook interception that was for a touchdown. Completely unnecessary block in the back by the Baylor player. And if that goes for the touchdown that it went for, like nobody was stopping the guy, um, the game's over right there. So for Michigan yep. State, that block in the back was one of the best plays of the game. And similarly, Corey Coleman uh, caught a pass to get down to like the half yard line to put the game away, essentially. Uh, it was right before the blocked kick uh, at the end of the game. Uh, but he got called for a face mask uh, on Tony Lippett, who was playing cornerback in that game. Oh, that and- was such a tough call. <laughs> watching yeah, that happen a, a uh. tough call um <laughs> and that pushes them back to like the 20 they get a false start and all of a sudden they're in the 25 and Baylor stalls out which sets up the field goal block so those are two of my best plays of the game for Michigan State that had nothing to Michigan State uh setting up you guys to give the actual best plays. so Stephen why don't you give us uh whatever nominees you had for that one okay one uh, a little I guess a minor one the first one I jotted down because um, it was kind of under the radar uh, nine minutes to go, third quarter, third and four. Um, Connor Cook hits R.J. Shelton. Connor Cook gets blasted. He hangs on to it mm-hmm. at the last second, gets blasted and hits R.J. Shelton on a crossing route, and, and Shelton just kind of wiggles his way upfield, gets 18 yards out of it. And that was right in that period. Like I said, they hadn't scored since uh, late in the first quarter. This is midway through the third at this point. And uh, he get him, got him a critical first down and then uh, ends up being a Langford touchdown on that drive to – make it 31-24. I felt like that was pretty underrated. Kept that drive going. Um, the one, I mean, I can't I can't get away from the Baylor uh, touchdown, though. I know it's a Michigan State podcast, but that the, the big fella, 6-7, Laquan McGowan. Is God, he took my first one. Yeah, dang six, it, seven, I missed one, too. Yeah, pop pass, <laughs> literally nobody in his area code, and he is an area code within his own, you know, within his own self. Uh, the eligible tackle play, which is awesome, and uh, – you know, MSU was being so aggressive at that point in the game. Uh, he just snuck right through and 
God, he, he moved great for a dude at that size. So I, <laughs> that's got to be the undisputed champ for me. Moving, just moving in general is is great movement for a 400-pound <laughs> person. And yeah, and underrated. He stays right on the field and blocks for the uh, PAT. So got to give <laughs> wow, him credit for I everything. I forgot about that moment. Yeah. <laughs> So right. that's what I Matt. got though for play of the game. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Matt. I, I I had that one as well. Of course, you got to have the six seven four hundred and ten pound guy um, as the top. Um, but two other ones. Okay. Well, I'll say this one right now: the lipid block on the block field mm. goal. Okay. Besides Did that, you though, go, you can go the whole field goal block play. Oh, you can. You absolutely can. But how about this to set that all up? So Baylor with three minutes to go. Now I know this is best play, but this is a series to break down. So with three minutes to go. Baylor's around midfield. False start on first and 10. Curtis Drummond tackle immediately to make it second and 14. Tuan Jones comes in like a heat-seeking missile on what would be a run play for Baylor to make it third and 18. And then R.J. Williamson lays a stick to keep them at fourth and long to bring out the field goal unit. That Mm -hmm. series of events to even set out the field goal in the first place um, is definitely in the, the play for best play and or series. And of course the, the fourth and 10 pass to Lippitt to keep that game winning drive yep. alive. Um, Lippitt had himself an incredible final two minutes uh, of football. At yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk more about Tony Lippitt's day because he was a busy bee. Um, that dude, regardless of where he was, was just such a good football player. Like offense, defense slot outside didn't matter. Tony uh, Lippitt was were. so – and just re-watching this game, I was just like, dang, dude. Like, that dude was, was so good. Underrated best play that I want to add as well. Uh, Mike Sadler on the extra point. God, to, yes. To win the game. Uh, Absolutely. That hold, that was not a great snap. Uh, I believe it kind of skipped in there, and he trapped it on the ground. And right as Geiger's foot is coming through, he, Sadler pops it back up and – Considering the circumstances, you know, the game, score, time, the comeback, all that, the snap, that was just all world holding from Mike Sadler, um, which is something they're not going to get appreciated a ton, but I wanted to give a shout out um, because that was really good from him and that easily, easily could have been a missed extra point. Are there any others that we have missed? Any glaring, obvious ones? Like there was a bunch of really good plays in this game. I don't know. It's like the, the onside kick. Yeah, you got to go with the yeah, onside yeah. kick. Um, the onside kick was like perfectly executed, perfectly called too, and we'll talk more about that uh, in a later category. Um, you can just pick whichever deep pass play you want from either side. Like Baylor was incredible uh, right. at throwing the ball deep. Michigan State hit a few as well. Some actually really nice play calls and execution, um, like setting up some deep shots. So, yeah. Those were the days, weren't they? Man. Oh. The, the, all those just kind of blend together for me and they don't really stick out because there's so many of them. I think we nailed all the ones that are like the standout plays from that game. Did we miss any? No, this is a big greatest hits album. I got to say there are a lot of bangers from this game that could fill this category. That's what happens um, when it's 42, 41 Brooks. What's your, uh, what's your final vote? What's your pick? Uh, it's got to be the big fella, man. It's got to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a lot to pick from. There's, I would be satisfied with a lot of those that we just talked about. The onside was was just beautifully executed. The the whole punk, uh, the whole field goal block sequence is just amazing and worth rewatching over and over. But it's it's still got to be the big fella switching jerseys. You know the deception, <laughs> yes. um, the fact that nobody was even near him. Whether they even ex- you know 
whether it was confusion or just like panic, like what the heck is going on here? Um, and that was no easy, you know, that was like what, 18 yards. That, that was no easy no, touchdown. Yeah. You know, he had to, nobody was in front of him, but yeah, it's gotta be him. That was awesome. I'm, I'm so mad that happened to Michigan state because if it happened to anyone else, it's one of my favorite plays in the history of college football. Um, had Michigan state lost that game, I would hate that play as it stands now. I just like, I like it. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah, I, 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 sh- it. I should, I should love it though. Matt, what about you? Um, I got to go with the block field goal and return. I, I know that's the easy answer, the cliche answer, as yeah. um, well, poor Chris Callahan got sent to the moon, and that is obviously the most imp- <laughs> or most memorable part of that clip. But the most important part of that clip is where that ball was returned to, right at the 45-yard line. Right, right. I mean, that's – yeah, The return itself kind of gets lost. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely yeah. does. With 48 seconds left on the clock, too, I, MSU either had one or no timeout. So it – they needed that return. And if that field goal is not blocked, nine-point game, game's over. I mean, yeah. it, it would have been curtains from SU. For sure. Um, I'm going to go with Matt, unfortunately. Sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. And, uh, yeah, that field goal block, that is the lasting play of that game uh, for me. So we're going field goal block there for best play. Uh, let's move on to our next category. It's called Let's, let's Reminisce. Uh, we just kind of look back on things that were – funny that we noticed or interesting like oh yeah like that kind of thing so we can just go back and forth here i just want real quick shock linwood incredible name absolutely absolutely incredible name um it was strange uh watching those first two drives watching michigan state's offense and just being like wow they're really good and really efficient and explosive what is this Mm mm-hmm can I piggyback off that really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Because this is my first point too. It's we obviously that was an incredible team in 2014, 2015. But the offensive talent on the roster, not only did they have a pretty solid offensive line, but they had Connor Cook, Jeremy Langford, Keith Mumphrey, Tony Lippett, Aaron Burbridge, Josiah Price, RJ Shelton. You talk about weapons, man. Woo, that was a nice team to watch. And all NFL I mean, guys are friends, NFL guys. So you just named yep. too. And McGarrett Kings, who is um when he caught the ball, was very good. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't anything like otherworldly, but like when he's your ninth guy, that's a pretty good ninth guy. Uh, Nick Hill too. Nick Hill, one time for Nick Hill. Yeah, one time for Nick Hill. Um, and up front, Jack Conklin, uh, first round All American left tackle. Jack Allen, uh, oh, yeah. All American center. Donovan Clark, uh, NFL guard. Uh, who else was on that line? Was Dan France missing? on that line? I, Travis, no, Travis Jackson was playing left guard that day. Tra- and, yeah, uh, and Cody, Cody, Cody Keeler. Right yeah, Cody Keeler. So, Man, squad. Um, yeah, I think of all the people, like the 14 names we just listed, 11 or 12 spent time in the NFL. That's pretty good. I would say so, yeah. Pretty pretty solid group there. Yeah, the best collection of offensive talent MCU's had. And, yeah, they finished uh, top 10 in offense that year. All right, we'll be right back with segment three of today's portion of the Spartans rewatch with some more reminiscing moments with Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. Matt, do you have another one you want to throw in? Something you found funny or interesting? Sure, absolutely. And I, hmm, I, I can't remember if it was you that mentioned this on Twitter on the watchback, but there was a moment in the game where MSU tried to run the option. And mm. for the first and only time in Connor Cook's career, he decided to pitch the ball. There is nothing <laughs> Connor Cook loved more than to keep the ball on a speed option to the outside. But this time, this time, guys, 
He decided to pitch it, and I don't think the running back was expecting it either. It went out of bounds eight yards behind them to set up a 50-yard field goal. Or wait, uh-oh, they tried to fake the field goal. Michael Geiger, his poor little legs could not make it the full 10 yards. They come up short, and boy, howdy, this one is not looking good for MSU. Baylor is starting to get all the momentum in the world right now. So, yep, that's one thing I kind of blocked for my memory. But just like the big guy touchdown for Baylor, very humorous to look in hindsight now that MSU won the game and it was a moot point. So that it's, was they it's were, fine now. They, yeah, third and four, edge of field goal range. And I had this in the change corner, so mm. um, it, it fits kind of in both. Yeah, third and four, edge of field goal range, running the speed option with lead-footed Connor Cook. Pitches it nine yards backwards out of bounds. Um, they would have picked up that first down had it been like two yards shorter. Like the fake almost got there. Geiger got seven or eight on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so with 10, though, horrible, the only problem. Yeah. Needed 10. That that horrible play uh, set things back. Steven, what about you? Oh, I think I've got a lot for this category. Uh, right at the very beginning, this was just, um, it was funny looking at it through the lens of MSU the last couple years when. All you know, the whole discussion has been about them being outdated and archaic on offense and and whatnot. Um, so they go out and Langford hits like a sixty yarder on the first or you know on the first drive, very early on, gets mm-hmm. him deep into the red zone. Uh, Nick Hill runs for like no gain or, or a slight loss, and then they come out in triple tight, two backs, uh, literally every, all eleven you know in a phone booth. And then motion into a shotgun formation and run a pass with the eligible receivers as two fullbacks and or no sorry one fullback and two tight ends going out on a route and I was like that is just such Michigan State football right there is trying yeah. to run a spread concept you know going out of the shotgun with these two hundred and fifty pound guys running routes and despite all that uh, Trevin Pendleton was actually wide open in the back of the end yeah. zone so it did work. As foolish as it sounds, it did work. He just dropped it. But maybe that's part of the foolishness, too, is why you don't throw <laughs> to a fullback and yeah. have him be your main read on a play. But yeah, just lining up in extra, extra jumbo and then swapping to shotgun with your big fellas out there. Like, oh, no, we'll get this. This will totally work. They never saw that it coming. Was, <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious to me. Yeah, you got these two backup tight ends running routes. And, God, I was like, that. there it is. That's the old Michigan State offense we all know. Yeah. They their success that season at times on offense was in spite of themselves. Like they were just Connor Cook was locked <laughs> in, in playing really well. They had so much depth, uh, a bunch of like a good diversity of talent in, in the backfield and the uh, the skill position. The the pass catchers were really playing well. The offensive line was experienced and talented. Um, and there's no reason that shouldn't and shouldn't have been like one of the best offenses in the country. And they were. But at times, even watching this game when they score 42 points, you're like, dear God, did they just do stupid stuff like that, like run speed option on third and four. Um, yeah, they, they did the, a the lot. The amount of, of two back sets was just, oh, yeah. even, even compared to these last couple of years, was mind-blowing. You know, there was just a yeah. night and day difference. And I understand uh, trying to keep the ball against those guys. I totally understand that. And and hey, it worked at the end, and they ran it pretty efficiently, pretty effectively throughout the day. I thought Langford was really, really good, but just God, this scene, so many two back formations and the straight handoffs was like, wow, it's, I, it felt I, so much older than it was. I posted a graphic from this game um, directly from the scoreboard. 
Uh, it's rush yards. Michigan State has 164. Baylor has minus 11. This is 7.56 left in the third quarter. And Baylor is up 34 to 14. <laughs> it's just like established. <laughs> the we won the ground game. game. We won the ground game, baby. <laughs> uh, it all paid off in the end. Um, yeah, that was a, uh, that's a good one. Um, is that the Bryce? Is that the best game Bryce Petty has ever played in his life? Like, it's got to be classics. I don't because uh, I was I was gonna bring this up. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna save it for my things you'd change portion because it's the only thing I have for it. He had he ended up with like 500 something yards, but he had uh, five fifty. Yes, uh, thirty four thousand of them to KD Cannon himself. <laughs> yeah, four hundred uh, and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, four hundred and sixty four, four hundred and sixty four through three quarters. Um, and yeah, oh and it would have been more, but they gave the ball to Shock Linwood like four times in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, it was wild just watching him drop dimes like that. And just like dudes were running open everywhere and he was just hitting them perfectly in stride. Even when the coverage was good, like Trey Waynes was locked on KD cannon. They just dropped it over him like perfectly 40 yards on the field. And it's just like Bryce Petty has never been that good at football again, his entire life. That was it. That was the peak. The numbers are insane, but you look at uh, some that stuck out to me watching it was the penalties. For both teams, that was such a penalized, you know, heavily penalized game. Mm-hmm. Um, a seven for MSU and eleven for Baylor, and their numbers still look as good as they did at the end of it all. But yeah, I just the, the sheer number and volume of penalties stuck out to me when I was watching. I was like, geez, you know, it yeah. really bogged down what was already a long game because of all the passing. Yeah. Um, Matt, did you have any other let's reminisce? Moments? Yeah, I got two. One of them was uh, the Sadler saving the snap at the extra point to end the game. And the other one that has not been mentioned is the first touchdown of the comeback when MSU was down 21-41. I forgot that touchdown played out like Josiah Scott playing with his seven-year-old brother and Josiah just snatched the ball clean out of his hand. Yeah, so, Josiah sorry, Price. Jo- jo- Josiah yeah. Price. I do that every time. Um, it's okay. Josiah Price ripping the ball out of the cornerback's hands like he was a second-grade child um, to get I- that thing started. So to make it 28-41 – I did forget that's how it went down. Yeah, I was just watching Price on a few snaps, just here or there. Um, And if that dude was like, I don't know, give him like average NFL athleticism, like he would have been a stud like pro for a long time. He was just really, really good at playing football. Um, And just like physically, I guess, didn't stack up where he needed to be in terms of athleticism to be an NFL tight end. But he was really good in this game. I, yeah, I think I don't agree. just when he was trying to stick onto the Vikings, I believe. Yeah, whatever yeah. whatever happened, like just a little bit more athleticism and he would have been like a decently high draft pick. Like this guy's incredible, um, but he was a really good player. Um, I have one more and then Steven, if you have any more, we can get to those. Uh, Pat Narduzzi coming down to the field in the fourth quarter. Yes, Love yes, it. I, yes. I was like, oh yeah, he would do <laughs> yes. like in those big spots when his team, like I don't even know what it was, but They'd be getting crushed in a game, giving up a bunch of points. Narduzzi comes down in the field in the fourth quarter, and they just pitch a shutout for an entire quarter for 15 minutes. Um, and it just—it was great to see him down there. And <laughs> just that was his last game. That was Pat Narduzzi's last game before he went to Pitt. Um, so I imagine he had some interesting things to say watching his team give up like 40 points through three quarters. Um, <laughs> doesn't usually fly for the Deuce. So that was great to see him. Uh, on the field fired up steven do you have any more yes oh absolutely i got a ton uh, <laughs> okay i'll just say, i'll off. just go with yeah no the the connor cook and i'm sad that this never like developed any kind of 
consistent nickname, but you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. Just the Connor Cook um, WTF moment followed by oh we'll like, get to that God mode yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So I'll say yeah, I won't go that. too far, but two moments uh, that that was on perfect display as it always was. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, we'll get, let's, let's move forward now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we will get to Connor Cooks. Um, I don't know if it's his worst way, whatever, way of life, of, just way yeah, of playing football. That's what it is. We'll talk about it. All right, that is going to do it for today's version of Locked On Spartans. We will be doing the second half of this show on tomorrow's podcast. It ran way too long. We got like 40 more minutes left, and uh, I got to try to keep these shows as close to a half an hour as I can. Uh, but tomorrow you'll get the second half. Sorry for making you wait for it. Um, but yeah, the second half of this show, we've got plenty more categories uh, to talk about. We recorded the whole thing through and it just chopped it up as it made sense in terms of the timing. So we'll be back tomorrow with the second half of the Spartans Rewatch with me, Matt Sheehan, and Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We will check back with you tomorrow.